I wanted to share uh, briefly this morning about a message called Moments. Moments. You know, a moment is defined in the dictionary as a brief period of time that happens at a specific point in time. A brief period of time that happens at a specific point in time. Now, some moments, we remember them forever. And you're probably, your mind, if you're like me, you're thinking of all the moments that you remember, right? And so that might be maybe that moment where you as a parent had your first child. Uh, moms, obviously, not dads. Uh, we still believe that only women give birth. That's a side note. If you got that, that's good for you. If you didn't get it, come and talk to me after. Um, that moment was a special moment. And for dads that were watching, being in that room, seeing that baby come to life, it's a very special moment. Perhaps it's the moment where you graduated and you got your first job. It was so exciting. You, like, finally were able to put everything that you knew, that you studied in college for so many years, into practice. Good for you, because I still am looking for an opportunity to do that. Um, maybe it was that... First kiss, that first date, that just evoked all those warm feelings. 
I watched, we watched Elf last night, and I just, that line just like sticks to your head, you know, like, when I'm near you, I feel warm inside. <laughs> you know, it's maybe that feeling. Maybe it's like when you got your license. You know, oh, all the young people are just thinking now. Freedom, yes. But, you know, some good moments can also turn into not-so-good moments, right? Especially, like, when you got into that first little accident, unexpected, you did not want it to have, and parents do not look at your children right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it... Great moments can turn into not-so-great moments. And the fact of the matter, and this is a reality check for all of us, is some moments are not so happy. In fact, maybe for some of us, celebrating Christmas is a tough day because you think of uh, maybe a loss that you've experienced in your life. Maybe you think of a disappointing situation that you lived through recently and it's like broken your heart maybe it's just a betrayal maybe it's something that left you feeling numb and heartbroken you know these last examples of moments that i mentioned you know we quickly want to forget them but the reality is that in order to forget bad moments you have to replace them with good moments right when we pray about situations that we go through in life, oftentimes we want to tell people, hey, you know what? In order to replace bad memories, you have to have some good memories to replace them with, right? And so there are moments that are difficult in our lives. And moments, all moments, make up who we are. They make up our lives one moment at a time. Now, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4 and 17 that we will face afflictions. And these afflictions are but for a moment. Look at the verse behind me. For our light and, what does it say? Momentary afflictions. Our light and momentary afflictions. So they last for a moment. Their troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. That's powerful. That means that those times or difficulties of troubles are achieving something in us that will outweigh all of the other experiences because God works through those moments. Now, Jesus himself, he experienced some very critical key moments in his life that are very difficult moments when you think about it. And so I want to share some of those key moments, but not just because they're difficult moments. I want to share those key moments also because they have a very important part in our lives. They play a key role into our lives. And I'm going to do that in a sequential way, but in a sequential reverse way. Let me explain. First of all, Key moment in Jesus' life, the ascension. The ascension. I'm going to take all my scriptures from Luke, the, the book of Luke. And this is from Luke chapter 24. And you read about the ascensions in verses 50 to 53. But the key verse here says, Jesus told his disciples, I came from the Father. 
and entered the world. And now I am living the world and going back to the Father. Now you say, that's a key moment? You betcha it is. This is the moment that Jesus was waiting for. This is the moment of him going back to the Father, and it was sort of a mission accomplished moment. I've done it. I conquered. I did what I purposed to do. You know, in John chapter 10 and verse 30, the Bible tells us that Jesus and the Father were one, right? He said it himself, the Father and I are one. And so this mission accomplished moment was a very key moment in the life of Jesus going back to heaven. Now, that, this moment, personally, reminds me that as Jesus ascended into heaven and he went to the Father, one day, that same Jesus that went up, he is going to come right down again. And he is going to come and he's going to take us to, uh, to heaven with him. He's going to redeem our lives completely, but he's also going to redeem this world completely. Isn't that powerful? We live in a world of affliction. We live in a world of confusion. We live in a world where sometimes we just want to open the escape hatch and disappear. But you know what? One day Jesus is going to put an end to all of that. He's going to return and he is going to usher in his glorious kingdom. This is a powerful moment in the life of Jesus. The second key moment in the life of Jesus is the resurrection. And that's also taken from Luke chapter 24. And you can read it through verses 1 to 12 if you're taking notes. You know, Christianity would be just like any other religion on this world, in this world, led by good men if Jesus had not been raised from the dead. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. If Jesus was not would not have come down from that cross and resurrected, then Christianity would just be just like any other religion. There are good men that led other religions. They were known as good people. But the only person that leads a religion, in, this, in our case is Jesus, the only one, right, that can claim going into a tomb and coming out of the tomb alive, going dead and coming out alive is Jesus. Jesus and Jesus only. The Bible tells us that he died on a Friday and then resurrected on a Sunday. And he is alive today. And I want you to know that that same power, the Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is inside each and every one of us. That is power. That is true power. That is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's a power to live godly lives. It's a power to overcome. And that power is inside each and every one of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14, Paul said that if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, our preaching would be worthless. Useless. I could be talking to you till I'm purple in the face. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, it would be a total waste of time. That is why 
this moment is a pivotal moment in history because not only is it affirming his divinity, but for us personally, it is assuring us of our salvation in Christ Jesus because of that power that lives in us. The third key event that I want to mention is the crucifixion. You can find that in Luke chapter 23, verses 26 to 49. The crucifixion. These were very hard and painful moments in the life of Jesus. You know, if you don't have a crucifixion, you don't have a resurrection. Without the cross, there's no need for a resurrection. The Bible talks to, to us about Jesus taking the weight of our sin on him. He took the sins of the entire world on him. And this morning, you may be here and you're thinking, but you know what? I, I, I don't feel good being in the presence of God. You, just, you don't know my past. You don't know my, my struggles. You don't know my difficulties. You don't know what I'm going through. But you know what? Jesus took it all. All of it. All your shame. All your disappointments. All your defeats. All your struggles. All the times when you feel absolutely down and out and that you cannot stand in the presence of God. You may be attending church and you're thinking to yourself, how could God listen to me when I'm singing, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. When I was just struggling so badly just a couple of hours ago, take, putting the kids into the car and just, you know, we all know what happens on Sunday morning. Jesus took all our sin, all of our shame, so that we might receive life. It's a painful paradox. One life for many, punishment for one, life and salvation for all. But it is so important. This is an, a, a pure example of what we talk about when we say that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of opposites is an upside-down kingdom, right? What does that mean when we say that? That's what it means. Jesus, one man, died so that we all might have life. Let me give another example of that upside-down kingdom. Death brings life. Death brings life. Let me give you another one. Exaltation is only achieved through what? Humility. Those are the things that make the kingdom of God this upside-down kingdom and one that we all need to be part of and embrace in our lives. The resurrection is an example of that upside-down kingdom. He came to give us life, and he died on a cross so that we might have that life in, our, in each and every one of us. The fourth example is the temptation in the desert. That is another moment of Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through to 13 is where you find these verses. You know, the desert experience is a tough moment in the life of Jesus. But it was necessary for him to go through those moments because they both affirm, number one, his identity. It affirmed his identity in the Father. It also affirmed his authority in God as the Son 
of God. Not just a mere man that started his ministry, but he was the son of God himself and God himself. The desert is a place where character testing is performed. It's a place where you discover your inner strengths. It's in the desert. And we try to escape the desert as quickly as we can. Many times it is God that's opening doors to the desert so that he can test our characters and he can test our resilience and make us stronger because he knows what is ahead. The desert is important. The desert, the desert we all run away from. We question why we go through wilderness times, dry times. We argue with God. Why, God? Why is it that I can't sense your presence? Why can't I find joy? Why can't I seem to like, you know, get up in the morning and have something in me that exceeds the mental knowledge, the mental understanding that I'm a child of God? I need something more. You're in the desert. Ah, it's so dry here. You know, God allows those times for our good because he sees the positive outcome of those times in the wilderness. Now, the devil tried to make Jesus question his identity, didn't he? We all know those scriptures, right? He went to Jesus multiple times asking him, if you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself off the cliff and surely the angels will come. He tried. That was questioning the very identity of Jesus. That was what the enemy was after. His identity, his origins, his character. You know what? He thought that he would derail Jesus from his mission of going to the cross. That's why he was so hard going after that very point. Come on, if you really are the Son of God, you think you really are the Son of God, then try to do this. Let's see what you can do. Doesn't he always do that? Has he ever done it with you? Does he taunt you? Oh, you're a believer? Let's see if you can stand this situation. Oh, you think you know the Bible? Let's see if you can handle this issue in your life. Oh, you think you're so cool, huh? Well, you worship God like you did. Well, let's see if you can handle this situation in your life. Satan tried to cause doubt, but instead of causing doubt in Jesus, what, did, what does the Bible say? That actually he solidified the very identity of Jesus because Jesus answered by the word of God. Each and every time, he said, the Bible says. The Bible says. Don't you know that the Bible says? You know what? He destroyed the very argument of lack of identity by showing up with Scripture and verse. And you know what? Whenever the enemy comes to you and he tries to make you question who you are, remember your identity in God. Friends, we're all going to go through desert times. It's inevitable. And it is good. Say, tell yourself, it is good. It's good to go through a desert time because it, it will do something to your character and solidify who you are. 
When the enemy comes and attacks your identity, let's remember that the Word of God and God's affirmation of you, of who you are, is the greatest weapon that we have to overcome and defeat any of Satan's lies in our lives. Any of them. If you know who you are, you can get to the other side of the desert. If you don't know who you are, I'll just say the people of Israel, does that ring a bell? How many years did they go around that desert? How many? 40 years. 40 years because they had not realized that God was their provider, that God was their strength, that God was there for them. Instead, what they would do, they would get angry at God. Oh, man, we, God, we were better in Egypt. At least we were eating onions and garlic. And Oh, man, that's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> we were better there. And God sent them manna, and he sent them meat. And you know what? They still questioned. Because it is not God's provision that's going to take you out of the desert. It's God's sense of identity for your life and for my life. It's who we are in Jesus. And when we can rise up and understand who we are, man, you know, it's like hit me with your best shot. Nothing can overtake you. The fifth moment that I want to mention is found in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 22, and it's the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus by John, the baptizer or the baptist as we know him, was the official launch of Jesus in the ministry. The Father affirmed Jesus' own identity as a son by doing what? Well, as he was being baptized by John, the Bible says that a dove, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, rested on Jesus. The heavens opened up. And in Luke chapter 3, we read these very powerful words. And three distinct things that Jesus, that, that the Father spoke on, on Jesus himself. He said, you are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. You are my beloved son. With you. I'm well pleased. You know, I want to speak to you parents for a moment. These are three of the most powerful words that you will ever speak to your children. Number one, you are mine. You are mine. The father said, you, he is my beloved son. He's mine. There's identity there. The first thing that you will speak to your son, to your daughter, is their identity, just let them know that they are yours. Number two, that you are loved. Let them know that they are loved. He is my beloved son. I love him. I'm with him. He is mine. But I love him so much and I'm giving him to you. And then the last thing, said, I'm proud of you. It's the last thing that you should speak to your kids. Three things. You are mine. You are loved. I am proud of you. In him, the father said of Jesus, I am well pleased. Tell your children, I am proud of you. Remind them that they are yours. Remind them that you love them, just like the father did with the son. The last moment that I want to share in the life of Jesus 
is the culmination of every other moment, and it is the birth of Jesus. You can find that uh, those references in Luke's in Luke chapter one and two. Luke chapter one and two. It's a culmination of all the key moments that I mentioned, and it is, in fact, the greatest moment of Jesus' life on earth. It was his birth. The story of the birth of Jesus is why we celebrate Christmas, isn't it? The angel Gabriel, we know, appeared to Mary to let her know that she would give birth to a son. And then, at the same time, simultaneously, he gave Joseph a dream, saying that he would become a dad to the Son of God, and that he were to call him Jesus. You know what's incredible is as you read the story, you can sense the frustration in Joseph. You know, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that he had planned to actually quietly leave Mary because he just could not believe. And I don't know how many of you men would actually stand for something like that. Probably none of us in the flesh would unless it is God that would actually speak to us to tell us this is, you know, beyond your ability to actually create or procreate or conceive. Mary could not understand, how can this be? I'm just a virgin. This was clearly the work of the Holy Spirit. And also, you know, we read in Luke chapter 2 that when Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem, he was visited by shepherds who arrived upon the scene, and immediately they began to sing the glories of heaven of, about Jesus. The Bible says the choir of angels sang glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the most incredible moment in the history of this planet. Guys, it is the single most important moment, not only in the history of this planet, but in our history and in our lives. It is the most important moment. You may say, why is it the most important moment? Let me offer you some reasons. First of all, the birth of Jesus ensures our salvation. It ensures that we are saved because Jesus was born a baby and was raised as a, the son of God, performing the miracles, signs and wonders, all the things that he did. We, because of his life, death on the cross, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, we obtain life, our salvation. When we, are, when we say and we declare that we are saved, we are actually declaring that Jesus, the Son of God, has entered into us just as he entered into this world. His birth also ensures us of our forgiveness, of our forgiveness. You see, we are sinners. Face it, you're a sinner. That's a reality. But you know what? That's not your identity. Because his life and death and resurrection was a payment for our sin. We are sinners, as we say, sinners saved by God's grace. That is our identity. We are sinners saved by grace. He took our place. He bore our sins. He put that on himself. He carried our shame. And he went on a cross and died for us. And so 
His life ensures our forgiveness of sins. His birth also is or ensures the revelation of God's love for us. Man, I cannot undermine this point because the fact that Jesus was born should give us the greatest revelation of all, that he loves us so much. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son so that we might have life. That is true love and acceptance to give the best that you have for us. His birth ensures that he is our mediator. Jesus is our mediator. Paul talks about his mediator between us and God. He stands in between. He is a mediator in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. It says, he's the mediator of a better covenant between us and the Father. Lastly, his birth ensures that we receive the Holy Spirit. Man, that's so important. You say, what? You know what? If he were not born on this earth, if Jesus did not come to earth, right, on that day when he was born, as we celebrate Christmas, there will be absolutely no need to depart. How did the Holy Spirit come? The Holy Spirit came because he ascended into heaven. He did say that. Because I am going, I'm going to send you the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit to be with you every moment. And so his birth also ensures that we receive the Holy Spirit in us. You know, I don't know about you this morning. I don't know where you are in your life. But the very birth of Jesus is the greatest of all. And a mystery in and of itself that we need to learn to accept in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just want to thank you this morning for the incredible gift of Jesus to each and every one of us. Yet while we were sinners, while we were lost in, in our own lost identities without you, you sent your Son to become flesh, to leave the glories of heaven to become a man so that we might experience all of the incredible pleasures that come as a result of his coming to earth. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Thank you that you dwell inside of us. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you can mediate even when we don't know what to pray. You pray for us before the Father. Thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit so that we might have life. 